0: words. They can build bridges or walls, uplift spirits, or dampen them. And in the realm of motivational speaking, they wield the power to transform lives. My guest today is William Winfield, a renowned motivational speaker and an expert coach for other speakers around the world. In this episode, he shares his insights on the profound power of words and the deep responsibility of ...that comes with wielding this influence. In the world of motivational speaking, every word uttered has the potential to inspire change, foster growth, or challenge the status quo. Today, William takes us behind the curtain to reveal how he crafts messages that not only resonate deeply with his audience, but also empower and educate. We'll explore the delicate balance between inspiring action and respecting the diverse perspective of listeners the ethics of persuasive communication and the transformative impact that carefully chosen words can have on individuals and communities alike. Join us as William sheds light on the art of motivational speaking, the responsibility of guiding future speakers and the undeniable power that words hold to shape our world. So friends, are you ready? Three, two, one, let's go. Hey everyone, what's going on? I'm Mike Fancher and welcome to this episode of the MindFit Method Podcast. All right, guys, we're diving right in today. I am so excited to have William here with me on the show. William, thanks so much for being here. I so appreciate it.
1: Man, listen, I appreciate you, brother. I appreciate you, man. Definitely about to have a good time, man.
0: We just had the best conversation before we started recording. William is just like rocking the whole world with what he does and sharing inspirational messages, motivational speaking for kids and for so many others everywhere. And honestly, I've been stoked for this conversation all day today. I'm so excited we're going to do it. So tell me a little bit though, like help people understand how do we get here? Could you start a little bit by sharing your personal journey of how you found your calling as a motivational speaker and a coach for others?
1: Yeah, definitely, man. So First off, I just want to say, man, I thank you so much for allowing me to be here, man. I don't take this for granted. You're doing amazing things out here. And the conversation that we had offline before we got online was just my heart. My heart, man. It's just so thankful, man. And just the thing that you're doing. So definitely want to just give honor where honor
0: is due. My pleasure, man. My pleasure.
1: So I always tell people, man, it started me making fun of homeless people. That's what I did. You know what I'm saying? I was making fun of homeless people. Every night I was going out to the club with my friends, wrong crowd, wrong people going to the club, drinking, doing all these different types of things. And one particular night, I remember I had my friends driving a Nissan Maxima. So all silver, black interior, right? I could, couldn't tell me now. Nah, I felt like Batman in Gotham City. You feel me? <laughs> <laughs> right. And so we was at a stoplight and the homeless person was just like asking for a dollar. And I put the dollar and I had him chase me. And this was the winter time in Rhode Island. Like, it's cold, it's cold, right? And so they're chasing. Them. I'm like, yeah, get a, job, get a job, bum, get a job, bum, yeah. And I took the dollar back and put it back in my pocket. And I went to the club. Man, funny thing is, two months later, I find myself being homeless. Yeah, I find myself being homeless and being stripped from a job that I was working at for three and a half years, right, a recycling company. Gave my heart, gave my soul to it. But I believe that life has a way of humbling you. And so things do come full circle. And so I found myself, ended up getting a job at a homeless shelter called House of Hope in Rhode Island. And I'll never forget that majority of the people that I was working with, they were more focused on being on the stage. For me, I was I got to get off the stage. I got to be around. I got to figure out what's your story. Where do you come from? I mean, I'm telling you, some of the most amazing paint artists, some of the most amazing singers, some of the most amazing magicians, I'm like, this is crazy. I'm like, you did that? they like, yeah, but I, I took drugs and I, I did, you did that? Yeah, I was an alcoholic. I'm like, this is crazy. And so I find myself every single day getting on the floor and having conversations with all these individuals, why most people were tooting their nose up, why most people were worrying about how, how their perception and how they wanted people to see them because they had a title. I'm like, man, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even care about my title. I'm here to know more about you. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to add value to you because I know how it feels to be homeless. I know how it feels to live in my car. I know how it feels to not have no money. I know how it feels to not have the things that you need. And so, man, there was one particular night, man, I remember I come into work. Typical day, come into work. My coworker, Jerome Hines, he was like, in deep voice, funny dude. He's like, hey, Will, sound just like that. He's like, Will, I think I think I, I need you to talk to somebody. I'm like, who am I talking to? He said, I think you need to talk to that dude right down there, Anthony Robinson in the bunk bed, A6 bottom. I said, you need me go talk to him? He said, yeah, I think you can reach him. I said, you think I can reach him? Why do you think I can reach him? But then I hit me. I'm like, yo, I'm always on the floor having a conversation with the guy, right? So I go down there. I'm like, yo, Anthony, what's going on? You good? He said, ah, leave me alone. Older dude. 76, man, wasn't trying to hear nothing, right? Now, to my regulation, I thought he was super stubborn, but that wasn't the case, right? He was really dealing with some stuff. And some of the things that he was telling me, he was like, man, like they promised me housing, didn't give me that. Promised mm-hmm. me food stamps, didn't give me that. Promised me a place to be able to, you know, uh, come in here early and get a job and things of that nature. And I'm just sitting here just like, that's what you're going through? And he said, yeah, and life's not worth living. Man, when he said that, I was like, this is all I said to him. I said, listen, you don't need to take your life. We need you. That's all I said. So you only take like we need you. Man, literally, because of the protocol in the shelter, obviously, when somebody's about to commit suicide, we got to call the ambulance and they got to take them to the hospital, to check them in, and things of that nature. Two weeks come, two weeks go by. I come back in, go up the stairs. Jerome again. Hey, Will. I was like, oh Lord, what's going on, Jerome? Jerome's like, hey, listen, man. Um, Anthony's back. I said, no, nah, I ain't talking to him. I ain't talking to him today. I said, you need to talk to him, Jerome. I talked to him last night. He said, no, 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 no it's good news. You're going to want to hear this. I was like, all right, cool. So I went to go take my lunch bag, put it in the refrigerator, came out, jumped down the stairs. I was like, Anthony, what's going on? And me, I said, Anthony, what's going on? He came and embraced me. I mean, like to this day, I feel like I still got a, a punctured lung or, or rib or something because the way he squeezed me, bro, I was just like, yo, this is intense. And he was like, well, I just want to let you know because of you, I didn't take my life. And at that very moment, I was like, yo, my words got power. Say, yo, it's over. Like, surely if I could talk somebody out of trying to take their life, surely my words have power to impact other people. Next week goes by another, another one of my co-workers, Bradley Ortiz. He hits me. He says, hey, Will, I see you're doing great things here. I see you're making an impact. I love how you're being a leader and just really leading without even having the title. I said, of course, that's what I'm here for. He goes, how about you think about working at the, the drug rehab? I said, the drug rehab? He said, yeah, I want you to come work at the Providence Center. I said, you should." Sure? He said, yeah, I want you to come right to the problem center. Now, I had never worked in a drug rehab facility, but I'm sitting here. I'm just like, it was crazy. My mom is a recovering drug addict. It's the crazy part. I'm like, well, let me go pay some homage to that. And let me go get some insight on that. And so I go there and eventually I'm there for six months. I'm doing the same thing I'm doing at the shelter, interacting with the clients, not to my nose up at the clients, being there for the clients, asking them questions, solving problems, right? It's my first keynote presentation. I want you to imagine at the age of 23, you're walking into this double doors of this room. Old doors, you know, them doors that be squeaking so long, you'd be like, man, like they need to get some real like stuff over here to clean those doors. It's crazy. I walk in there, have a piece of paper. I'll never forget it. The presentation was called Eagles Do Not Stress the Opinions of Pigeons. And when I tell you my palms were sweaty, sweat coming down my face, I'm sitting, I'm just like, I don't think I can do this. Mm-hmm. saying <laughs> so like you say yes outside the door. When you there, you like, I don't think I can do this. And just something just said, go. I just started speaking from the heart. And when I did that, I didn't know that there was two clients that was about to leave the program in OD. I didn't have no idea. After the presentation was done, I go outside. The counselor comes to me, counselor goes, Hey, uh, William. I said, Yes, Vanessa. She goes, I want to let you know something. you see those two clients over there? I said, Yes, ma'am. She said, those two clients are about to leave this program in OD. I just wanted to let you know that you just saved their life because they said, because of your message, because of what you said, they're staying, they want to get, they want to complete and stay clean. Man, let me say this to you: there's a difference between empowerment and motivation. Right? Motivation wears off, but empowerment, that's what you need to get to those difficult and dark moments, right? To this day, they're clean. They got their kids and they got their job and I'm still in contact with them. And so I'm just like, man, like your words have power when you really have a heart to do the work that you're doing. So, yeah, that's how we got to where we are today, man. Just like right there. That's that's the start of it.
0: Well, first off, you just gave me chills all over telling that story. So that is incredible. That is amazing. And that's a testament to who you are and to your character as a person and how you use words to lift people up. Yeah. I mean, I see today I see the division in this country today. I see how political parties use words to tear people down. Yeah. And I feel like we're surrounded by it today. And every person, whether it's online, whether they're sitting behind a keyboard or whether they're talking in front of a group of people, has the opportunity to use their words, written or spoken, to lift people up, not just tear them down. That's Yeah, I give you so much credit, I commend you for that because that is that's incredible. Truly incredible.
1: Appreciate
0: that. In a motivational speaking, it often involves actually, I'm gonna change that. Empowerment speaking, Mm -hmm. right? We just we just created a whole new era right here, right? Empowerment speaking involves often sharing like personal stories, personal experiences. When you go on stage and you share the stories that you have, do you have one that generally really connects with the audience that you're speaking to?
1: Oh, man, absolutely. It's my signature talk. I always call it the ingredients to leaving a legacy. That's what it's about. And pretty much the story just stems from my mom not having enough money to buy Thanksgiving dinner. And she was just under so much stress. And I remember she just walked me into this kitchen one day. and She just said, baby, what do you see in this cabinet?" I said, ma'am, I see beans and noodles. She was like, no, baby. What do you see? I said, ma'am, I see beans and noodles. She said, baby, I'm going to ask you one more time. So I'm stop be you upside your head. What do you see in this cabin? I said, ma'am, I see beans and noodles. And she goes, no, baby. What you need to understand is that we have a meal. Somebody doesn't. What you need to understand is that you can't take for granted what so many people don't have right now. So what I want you to understand is that when life gives you whatever it is that they give you, you got to learn how to make a meal with this son. I was like, oh, wow. I said, wow. And I didn't know until I started getting old. I'm like, yo, pretty much my mom was just telling me all my life, whatever life gives you, make a meal with it. You know what I'm saying? If life has a divorce, make a meal with it. It's all an ingredient to your meal. Everything that we go through is an ingredient for our meal to be able to serve to humanity and make the world a better place. So yeah, man, definitely the ingredients to leaving the legacy for sure all day. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's deep, absolutely priceless, priceless story. I love that. But here's the kicker. So you're not just an incredible empowerment speaker. You actually support other people who have incredible messages that really are aspiring one day to either be a speaker on a big stage, even a little stage, maybe behind a microphone on a podcast, whatever it is. What made you do that shift? What made you take that next step to start inspiring and helping others build upon their passion for speaking into a business.
1: I love that, man. So I, I would say this for me, bro, I, I would definitely come from this perspective. I have seen a lot of people make investments and get damaged from the investment, right? Like they were investing all they had. I seen single mothers give their last because they trusted this particular individual to give them what they needed to help them. Right. And they got played. You know what I'm saying? like, man, I don't ever want that to happen to any client that works with me. I said, no, I don't ever want that to happen because I know how that feels to be robbed, right? You work in all these shifts, you work in all these hours, somebody's giving you this quote unquote promise and they don't deliver on the promise because they don't have integrity and character. And so for me, I was just like, man, like I don't ever want that to happen. And the second thing is I understand that as a leader, my absence will speak greater than my presence, Right. Mm -hmm. It's not about what I do when I'm here. It's about what people say about me when I'm no longer here that makes the biggest impact. Look at any of the greatest leaders to ever known a man, the impact that they made. I'm like, yo, is Dr. King really dead? Like, is Gandhi really dead? Is Mother Teresa really dead? No, we're always talking about these individuals. And that Mother Teresa said, that's blessed my life. She said, yo, never let nobody leave your presence without feeling happier, Right. And so I live by that code every single day. If I can change somebody's life by putting a smile on their face or giving them information or walking them through a process that can change the trajectory of their legacy, then that's what I'm going to do. And what I know to be true is that true leaders duplicate themselves, right? They don't, they don't seek for power. They seek to empower. And so right. if I'm empowering, they're going to go empower somebody else. And guess what? Most most leaders will be jealous and envious. They'll be like, oh, man, like who do they think? Of? No, no, no don't be jealous. Take the credit. <laughs> I was a part of that journey. I was a part of that process. Like you followed the blueprint. You do what you need to do and look at you. I'm so proud of you, but you know, I'm gonna take that credit though. Right. I was a part of that process. Don't <laughs> yeah. so definitely. I would say that's the reason why I transitioned into that because I want to produce more leaders. I want to produce more disciples. I want to produce more great speakers out here who have a meaningful message. I don't. And one of my biggest things, man, is like, I don't. I, I tell people upfront, like before we even have any call, that I say, yo, if you're looking, if money is the most deciding factor for you to join and want to be a speaker, I'm not gonna coach. I'm not even gonna entertain it because this is not why we step on platforms. We literally step on platforms because there are real lives on the other side of our words. Right. And so when you speak right and how you speak and the attention that you speak, you got to make sure that's coming from a pure and genuine place. Now, granted, of course, and we're we, we doing a lot of amazing things, Mike. Right? But at the end of the day, we have to understand that in order to make impact, you got to be in service. Right. right. And when You're in service. Everything will change for you. Everything will change for you. You can be you can do and you can have whatever you want. Just learn how to serve and treat people right. And you'll never go wrong. Yeah.
0: You mentioned some amazing speakers a few minutes ago, Dr. King, Gandhi. Who yes. are some of the speakers that really inspired you or that you still just are absolutely in awe of today?
1: Definitely, man. Number one, my mom. Shout out to my mom. She's watching Rebecca Miles. Me- <laughs> I love you, Mama. Yeah, definitely my mom. My mom was a beast. I mean, a beast with the word. Like, she like a worse man. I'm like, man, like, is that even a real word? She like, yeah. <laughs> It's a real word. Catch up with your vocabulary. I'm like, okay, cool, right? <laughs> so, um, outside of that, definitely Inky Johnson, definitely Tony Robbins, definitely Dr. Eric Thomas, definitely Dr. Miles Monroe, Dr. King, Mother Teresa, Gandhi, all of the amazing people. Frederick Douglass, yeah, like all of these individuals, man. I study, I continue to study, and and I mean, they've really impacted my life and changed the way how I bring a presentation, not in the sense of trying to mimic, but in the sense of, wow, I can do this because I can see somebody else doing this. And you don't have to be perfect to do it. You just got to be willing to trust yeah. them the to make it happen. So
0: yeah. Absolutely. I've come to love these. I guess it's a podcast, but they're really like a mixed format of motivational speeches. It just got one tied in with another, tied in with another. And I'll tell you of all the ones that I tra- and I all the ones that you said, a hundred percent But when Dr. Eric Thomas speaks, there's just something that it like shoots lightning bolts up me. And I I can't, I don't know if it's his tone, if it's his delivery, if it's a message or if it's just a combination of all of it, but there's a gift there that just absolutely blows me away. Yeah. Really does. You know, a lot of people kind of have the dream of, they want to step on stage. They want to become a, a motivational speaker, but breaking into that industry can be very challenging can be very difficult. It can be very, you know, you got to have some resilience to be able to get onto that stage. What advice would you give to someone who's just kind of starting their journey out as a speaker?
1: Yeah, I think I wish I, I wish I would've had this information earlier in my career. I promise. (laughs) Number one, quickly build relationships and speak for free. Yeah. That's the first thing I'm gonna say to you. Like, you're not gonna come in this game trying to charge Tony Robbins numbers or Gary V numbers or Dr. Eric Thomas. No, it's not, it's not gonna happen, right. right? You have to be able to understand that the more relationships you have, the less you have to market. Yeah. Because they'll do the marketing for you. I'm pretty sure, bro, you've done many presentations, they were just like, Oh my God. Well, I need to put you in contact with well, boom, 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 and you stayed in constant communication. I just yep. literally, bro, I just had a conversation with a principal that I did a gig for last year. And she's like, well, these kids are going through this. These kids are fighting. These kids don't know who they are. These kids are lacking purpose. I need your help. And I continuously just stay in communication with her. Right. And she just got back to me. I've been reaching out to her since December, November. Right. But I'm staying in cons- consistent communication because I know you busy. I know you're dealing with a lot of things. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. It's just been a lot going on, but we need you. And now we're in a place to where I'm going to be going back out there in March. Relationships, right? Like yeah. where, where great relationships, you barely have to market as hard. Doesn't mean you don't market, but you barely have to market as hard because if you have 10 people in your back pocket and them 10 people are taking you to another 10 people, it's game over, right? that's yeah. I believe in the speaking game, one of the greatest things, having a great talk, but making sure that you have the right relationship so they can put you in position and other opportunities that you didn't even see coming. And so I would tell any speaker, speak for free, build your reputation up, get your social proof. Right. And let me say this to you. Free is only free when you don't have a strategy attached to your free. Right. Right. So as long as you know how to effectively monetize the free, it will end up leading to a paid engagement. But trust the process. Like, my yeah. said, like you gotta have some resiliency. You're gonna hear a lot of no's, <laughs> and you're gonna have some time. you are gonna hear a lot of yeses, but at yeah. the end, of the day, enjoy the no's. Learn from the no's. Ask yourself, what 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 did I not have in place? Did I not right. have insurance in place? Did I not have a website? Did I not have a speaker sheet? Did I not have EPK? Did I not have a speaker demo video? Like, what was the things that I did not have? Like, what can I learn from this? Don't get mad at it. Learn. Right. So yeah, that's what I was definitely saying.
0: I think, too, people don't realize that number one, speaking is a craft, right? Even if you write the best speech ever, it doesn't mean you're necessarily going to deliver that best speech ever. It's two completely different things. No matter, it doesn't matter how good it is on writing. But it's also like when people post on social media, when they're talking to others, you're marketing, right? You're marketing your ability to speak, your ability to communicate the messages that you're trying to do. I had someone reach out to me two weeks ago that I have not spoken to, heard from, or seen in just over 20 years, 20 years. And they see what's going on with the podcast right now. They see what's going on with the books. And I get a LinkedIn message. Hey, would you be our keynote speaker for a conference? Right. I haven't talked to this person in 20 years. I had no idea they were following me or seeing what that what you were doing, the messages that you were putting out. And I think the message is so important. You can say, I'm a speaker, I'm motivational, I do this. But what are you motivational about? Like what, what is your direction? What are you trying to get people to do? It made me think about how we talk and how we speak. What do you want people to walk away from? You had that happen to you when you were speaking. Um, In the drug rehab, you prevented people from ODing. And I think we have to think as speakers, what are we trying to accomplish? It's not just making somebody feel good. How do you make someone take action? How do you make someone prevent themselves from taking an action they don't want to take? Like, I think we get so caught up in the idea of being on the stage, being in the lights. And in the end, like where you said it before, we're providing a service. We are a, we're the servant of the people that are on that stage trying to give them, whether it's hope, whether it's motivation, whether it's direction, something. So I love that. I, I truly love everything you're saying and why you're doing this because I do think there's so many people out there that do have amazing messages that are like bottled up inside them and they want to start sharing it. But I also think people worry too about like, oh, well, what are they going to think of me if I get on the stage? What if I'm terrible? You probably are going to be. And I think people, we don't respect that part. And I, you and I were talking beforehand with the podcast. My first 10 episodes were recorded in my car. So the audio quality is terrible. I'm rambling on like a maniac. Yet each one, each 10 got a little bit better. Right. And we get to a point where it's like, okay, I can at least say I don't think I'm terrible anymore. I'm only not great. Like, I'm only not good. So, you don't be fearful of, of, of not being fantastic. You're probably not going to be. It's like when you're riding a bike, you fell off for a reason. <laughs> right. Let me ask you a question because the impact that, Motivational speaking, empowerment speaking has on students and educational systems, on our future generations can truly be profound. Talk to me about the responsibilities that a speaker shoulders when they step on that stage and how you've been able to help other, really your students, in becoming better speakers accept that responsibility because there is a power in words. But as Peter Parker's uncle said, with great power comes great responsibility.
1: Ah, that's my movie, bro. Come on, <laughs> I love it. That, yep. There it is right there. Um man, like I, I would I would say number one, your your mission every single time you get on that stage is to speak to the old you. Everybody's not going to be receptive. You're not going to be able to win everybody, but you're not there for everybody. You're there for the old you in a specific somebody who is dealing with things that you have dealt with, right? And so for me, I understand that it's a heavy responsibility. And that's why I tell speakers, like, don't play with this. Like, if you're really going to do this, change lives. If not, leave it alone, right? And so we're talking about preparation, right? We're talking about exactly hitting exactly what the decision maker is looking for. Like, they're looking for these components. You got to make sure you need to ask them, hey, what books are you and your staff reading? Right. I want to read some of those books. Right. Okay, Like what type of uh, newspaper? Like, what is it that you guys are doing right now and really embody that? It was like Leonardo DiCaprio when he played in The Revenant in the movie. The one, you know, I'm saying he killed the movie. I'm like, this movie bad. I ain't going to watch this. I'm like, get up out of here. Like, I mean, but he was telling people like, yo, like. Hey, Leonardo, Leonardo, do you want to actually go sleep in the warm cat? He said, no, I want to embody this character. I want to I want to know what it's like in this frigid temperature. All right. Well, do you want to eat the buffalo liver? Yes, I do want to eat the buffalo. liver. I want to embody this character. And likewise, when you're meeting with a decision maker, you need to embody the problems that they're dealing with and be that character that can fill that role and make this movie amazing for that decision maker and also even more amazing for the audience that's paying attention to you. Because one thing is for sure and two things are for certain. Understand this, like whenever you speak, people know if you're the real deal or not. As soon as you open up your mouth, they gonna know if you're the real deal or not. And so I and for me, it's not more so like, the heaviness of the weight, but it's more so understanding that man, like I got so many people's lives in my hands right now, And if I say one thing wrong, oof, I may have that child go out there and really go kill himself, or I may have a student that go into deeper depression. So I got to make sure that I'm I'm executing. I got to make sure that I'm not just opening up the body, but I'm closing up the body. Right? You are you are a surgeon on that stage. And you got to make sure you can't leave nobody bleeding, right? You got to make sure that you stitch everything back up and make it look better than what this, the, the problem that, that was there before. And so, man, I, I would just say, man, like it's, it's a heavy responsibility, but with great power comes great responsibility. And I wouldn't want it any other way.
0: Definitely. What's interesting you're talking about when, as soon as you open your mouth, people know if you're the real deal or not. I was just listening this week, actually, this week's new episode of the Modern Wisdom podcast with Chris Williamson and he had Alex Hermosey on. And Alex said something that I think a lot of people are going to find a little controversial and in my opinion, so true. I mean, he, he nailed it. He just said the thing that nobody wants to say. And he started talking about imposter syndrome. And he said a lot of people will get imposter syndrome as they start a coaching company and they become a speaker or whatever it may be. And usually when you hear that, you hear people say, oh, don't think that way. You don't have imposter syndrome. He took a totally different approach. And his approach was, if you feel like you're an imposter, you probably are. I was like, whoa, that's pretty harsh. And he goes, because if you don't have the stack of proof as to who you are, which is exactly what you're saying, as soon as you open your mouth, people are going to know if you're the real deal or not. Don't pretend to be what you are. Talk to me about like, Public speaking is often an art, right? It's a science. It's an art and everything in between. What techniques do you have or have you found effective in really engaging and inspiring the audience, but being real and true to who you are as well?
1: Yeah. To me, leave the podium, leave the stage. <laughs> I'm not going to hold you, bro. Like I'm, I'm different. I don't care if it's keynote. I don't care where I'm at. I got a feel I got to put yeah. my hand on the shoulder. I got to put my hand behind a chair. I got to let you, I got an eye contact, which I got to let you, I need you to feel what's in my spirit so it can yep. hit you. So and let you know like, yo, like, I, man, like I needed that. Like, man, I'm about to quit my job today and you just revived me. Like, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and another great thing as well, Mike, that people need to understand in the speaking game is get interactive get real interactive, like have some good icebreakers, ask a simple question. Like, it's nothing like me and you are having a conversation right here. Just have a conversation. Like don't allow the 1500 people or the the 300 people to make you feel like, no, like they're watching you and not only they're watching, your family's watching you. And so if you mess up, guess what? You mess up for your family, right? And so, When you think about man, I got my family counting on me, and I also have people in this building right now that are counting on me that need what I got. And when you start doing that, man, you like man, like there's no way I can mess up. And even here's the thing: even if you find yourself messing up, you have locked in so much engagement to where you took to where you took strangers and now turned them into a family reunion. And so they saying, when you catch you like, oh no worry, I keep going, keep going. Like I love this life. And so I just want you all to understand, enjoy the journey, enjoy the process. But the greatest techniques is like, leave what's comfortable and step into what is. Yeah.
0: Love that. Love that. I think so many people as they're like, first, they just want to step on the stage. Well, first they have an idea, right? Then they decide they want to share that idea. Then they got to want to step on a stage. But then there's a big chasm in between getting on the stage a couple of times and then building a career as a speaker. That has its all different level of obstacles, challenges. What were some of the hurdles that you faced as you were navigating from going from speaking a little bit here and there to really making it a core part of your career?
1: Yeah, man, I would really say, I I, I was finding myself frustrated because I didn't know what I wanted to talk about. I Mm -hmm. felt message was my message to talk about. Can you talk about finances? Yes. Can you talk about bullying? Yes. Can you talk about relationships? Yes. I found myself trying to speak to everything rather mm. than speaking to the old me. I had to sit down with myself, Mike, and I said, man, like, well, what did you deal with? You lost a football scholarship that gives you access to speak to athletes. Yeah. Mm. It was a special education. That's another check mark. Now you can go into the schools and show students that, yo, no matter what you've encountered, no matter what you've been through, Listen to me, I'm letting you know that there's no excuse why any of you are average. Any of you in here, right? The fact of my my father not being in my life, that gives me another, another opportunity to, to speak to other at-risk youth and students that are dealing with certain things, right? And so I started saying to myself, I said, Will, like, at the end of the day, you help people to manage that internal conflict that they're dealing with. That is your avenue. And you help them to take all of that stuff and turn it into ingredients to leave their legacy. Don't waste it. Create a meal with it and go make an impact and change somebody's life. And so dealing with that and, you know, who I want to speak to, hearing all the no's that we was talking about, right? No after no after no. And then there's a difference in hearing no. And then you're getting yeses, but then they don't want to pay you, right? So it's just like, man, like, forget it. I quit. But there was that word that you said, Mike, resiliency. Right, yeah. and you have that resiliency. Like, listen to me. I don't care how many no's I get. I know eventually somebody's gonna love what I do. They're gonna love how I do it, and they're gonna have no problem compensating me for what I do. Right? But right. if I'm consistent, I'm never gonna see the yes. I'm always gonna see the no, and I'm gonna continue to allow what's happening to affect what can happen for my life. And so going through those things and being frustrated, man. There was times, man, I, I felt like killing myself, bro you real like i felt like killing myself yeah. too much pressure too much like i like i know what i'm worth like you never had that moment to where it's like i know i'm destined for greatness i know what i got to say can change and impact the world i know that people are waiting for me but it's like nobody's giving me that opportunity and then i said to myself i said will stop waiting for somebody to give you an opportunity and make your own opportunity yeah When you make your own opportunity, other people will look at your opportunity and say, hey, I want to connect with you and bring you in here because I love what you're doing. And so if nobody's giving you an opportunity, don't cry about it. Make adjustments and say to yourself that, yo, people out here are definitely going to need what I got, but they're never going to get it if I stop. And that's the thing I want everybody to understand today is that if you don't, if you stop, you ain't never going to get what you want. But if you start and you keep doing it, you're going to change your level. Don't be a professional starter and an amateur finisher. Don't do
0: that. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Love that. Yeah, that's, and I think as with anything else, we were kind of talking about it before, but the power of consistency is what makes it work. When you, as you start to coach others, are there certain skills that you find are very, very valuable in, in speakers? Or if speakers don't have them skills that they should really try to work on and enhance in order to be successful in a speaking career?
1: I love it, man. I I, I kind of see a similar to Tom Brady. He didn't have the best mechanics, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Best tight. He didn't throw tight spirals, right? Yep. He had a grit to him, right? Yep. And he had something that would fuel him, right? And so I look in speakers. I'm like, man, like where you at right now? That's okay. Because we've all started somewhere. Yeah. But I don't require you to stay there. Like, here's the thing there's levels to this. Now, if you're looking at it from a perspective, you're just comfortable just winning games, then you're going to keep winning games. But then there's a level to it. I want to go from winning games to winning playoffs. Mm-hmm. If you're comfortable with that, then you can stay in that element. But then there's that, what am I playing this game for? All right, I'm playing this for the Lavarti Trophy. Well, mm-hmm. in this space, you're playing for the Nobel Peace Prize, that's your championship. Yes. And so you need to make an impact, right? You got to stop focusing on wins. You got to stop focusing on playoffs. And you got to say to yourself, not even focus on getting to the Super Bowl, winning it. And I may even take it another level, dominating the Super Bowl. And so you, I may look at a certain speaker and they be like, man, you have a great projection with your voice, but I'm not getting the story. I'm not understanding the story, right? Or I may right. speak of that have a killer story, but their stage presence is horrible, right? Yeah. And so it's like, everything, like you're not gonna have everything all in one time, you gotta work on these things. And so my biggest thing is making sure that you have a great message, great stage presence, and most importantly, a heart of service. If you can have those three things, you will be so successful in the speaking game. And not only that, the last thing that I would say in regards to that is what you said earlier, knowing exactly what you do and how you do it and what's the quantifiable result that the person's going to get when they bring you If you can do those four things, you are going to be a phenomenal speaker and you're going to have major success because yes, there's a lot of speakers who can get on stages. But then it's like, I'm not getting contracts. Well, when you actually get somebody on the call with a decision maker, and they actually, what do you do? What can you do for my corporation? What can you do for my organization? What can you do for my campus? What can you do for my school? And you say, well, I just, I can motivate. It's like, do so you mean to tell me I took a lunch break to get on here? It's for you to tell me that you can motivate. Oh, no, we're good. We're going to the next speaker. And you, yeah. sit, you say to yourself, well, how come I can't It's because you're not conveying what you do. And I promise you this, a speaker with clarity is a speaker that's going to build a successful company. So just as your speech is important, what's more so important is you understanding exactly how can you convey what you do to build your company.
0: Right. Absolutely. You brought up Tom Brady before Tom Brady was one of those guys that after the game was over, he threw another thousand passes Tiger Woods was the guy who, after he just played the championship golf tournament somewhere, he then went out and played another 18 times two holes, swinging again and again and again. Michael Jordan, arguably one of the greatest basketball players of all time, he when everyone else got tired in that fourth quarter, he loved the fourth quarter because he had worked so hard to keep pushing himself through. So when everybody else is exhausted and everybody else is tired, He's like, I'm just starting. I'm good. Like, let's start. Talk to me about reps. Because I brought up Alex Hermosi before. Alex just launched his new book, which was an unbelievable launch. That He had close to 500,000 people for his, if you're aware, it was, it was in crazy how he did his launch. What was most amazing about that was when he talked about the preparation and the work that went into that launch. He practiced that speech three times a day for 30 days. And he, and he did it very methodically. He'd do it in the morning and he'd record it. And then he'd do it again and he'd edit what he recorded and changed it. And then he'd do it again and see if he liked it. And he'd do that for 30 days straight. I think sometimes people are like, oh, I got a great message. I got a pretty good stage presence. I'm going to go on stage and I'm just going to rock it. Talk to me about the reps a little bit. Talk to me about the Tigers and the Michael Jordans and the Alex Primozis. How do you coach your students to be able to say, look, you've got to put in the time and the effort, or do you find that not as important?
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, listen, man, that, that's fire. And rep, reps is is key, period. And it's funny, man, there was an interview that Tom Brady had, and he was talking about how he was the third string quarterback. And as yeah. he was a quarterback, pretty much they were like, oh, he's, I'm never going to get on this field. I'm never going to. They said, why are you complaining about it? Take every rep that you get and make it your best rep. And so he went from one rep and he gave it his best rep. Then he started saying, hey, I got another rep. He took those two reps and made it his best reps. Then he went up and up and up. And what I want speakers to understand is that you don't wait until somebody invites you to stop preparing. You need to be preparing every single day, right? Because I don't know, man, it's crazy to me. Like I would give a speaker, I say, hey, man, I'm going to give you 10 minutes to speak about whatever. They start speaking. I'm timing them. They don't know I'm timing them. I'm like, go, go, speak. They stop speaking. I'm like, oh, that's cute. Four minutes. (laughs) I'm like, but you said you were a speaker. Yeah. You said 10 minutes. Yeah, and you gave me four. What's up with that? Well, they don't know, oh, because you're not unpacking a story. You keep packing it. You're not stretching a story. And I know that you're not stretching it because you're not practicing. Your reps, you're not doing it. You're not studying comedians. You're not studying other speakers. You're not studying the art of storytelling. You're not studying your body posture. You're not studying your hand gestures. It's a lot that goes into this. You're not studying none of that. You think that you're going to get on a platform and somebody going to cut you a check for a little bit of money and you're going to get up there and you're going to speak. And they're going to give you 45 minutes and you're going to give them 20 minutes because your preparation was off. I tell speakers, we're going to start from one minute to five minutes to 10 minutes, to 20 minutes, to 30 minutes, and I have them record every single last one and send it to me. I'm like, okay, now you see what's happening. Now, don't do it when I'm asking you to do it. You do this every single day. Yeah, Every day you need to do this because now you're building speaking stamina. <laughs> right. right. I somebody took that, but I'm take that, right? But speaking stamina and build it up. So now when somebody says, hey, I need you to deliver a 60-minute keynote, oh, no problem. But also making right. the adjustment to where you come in somewhere and somebody says, I know I told you, Mr. Winfield, that you had 45 minutes. Right? I know I told you, Mike, you had 45 minutes, but now you only have 30 minutes. How do you make the adjustment? So not just preparing for your speech, but preparing for the worst. What if the slides yeah. go? right? What if the mic is out? Like, How do you make the adjustment? So don't just practice speaking. Practice making the adjustments as well. So I, I, I come to find out that definitely like, the more reps you have and just really just doing the small increments, one minute, five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, 60 minutes, an hour, and just stretching yourself, it really makes a huge difference. And even getting index cards and just really, like, this is all reps. Like I promise you, like getting an index card and putting all kindergarten words on it, putting my iPhone next to me and hit the timer for 60 seconds. Boom! Pick up a word and just tell a story. Grab another mm-hmm. one tell another story. Grab another one, tell another story. So now I'm getting used to telling stories and stretching the story rather than just trying to speak. Because at the end of the day, you have to not just tell the story, but you got to ask people like, what, what is the principle behind the story? What are you trying to convey to me?
0: So right,
1: yeah, reps is very- Such important.
0: incredible insight for anyone that's looking to be an aspiring speaker. Make sure you are taking notes because it doesn't get much better than this. This is incredible. Yes, because I can imagine you've encountered a various amount of success stories from the speakers that you've mentored. Do you have a success story that just stands out to you and really showcases the transformative power of being a speaker?
1: So shout out to Dr. Kawana if she's watching this, which I know she's going to end up watching it. But Dr. Kawana came to me and wanted to just elevate her speaking business all around. And she's mentored by Myron Golden. Myron Golden is a phenomenal communicator in his own right. Um, and so she came to me, she wanted to learn and she ended up going to speak at Myron Golden's event. And she thought she was speaking for free. She got off stage. Myron Golden cut her a check for $5,000, gave her $5,000. But not only that, she had a million dollar day by closing sales from the stage. She sent me a text message. She said, coach, you ain't gonna believe this. I said, what happened? She said, Myron gave me a check. 5,000. I said, man, you better go ahead. Myron cutting your check that I already know the presentation was fire, right? And then she goes, but that's not the best part. The best part is is that we made a million dollars from the stage. I was like, what? Wow. Wow. You know, and and another one just recently, man, Roscoe, if he's watching this, Roscoe Robinson, when he came to me, he wanted to learn how to dominate the education space. And so he focused on social and emotional learning. And so he just messaged me two days ago, coach, I put in my, um, my resignation. I'm leaving my job March 1st to go full-time speaking. I'm like, what? like, yeah, coach. I listened to everything that you said I'm doing it. And I'm like, wow, I'm so proud of you. And that's, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Just like, I have a heart of serving and I want people to win. I had, I gotta learn how to duplicate myself. I can't be the only one out here speaking. And so just doing those two right there for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Roscoe. Amazing.
0: I know the world of speaking went through quite a revolution and quite a change, especially during COVID. The whole world kind of changed. Everyone wants to get up on a stage until suddenly there's nobody in the audience because everyone's locked away somewhere. You can't get out. How do you see the role of speaking continuing to evolve? Do you find That remote speaking or really doing electronically is still going to stick around? Is that still a big thing for speakers, or do you see a full fledged resurgence back in the stages? How do you think this is going to play out?
1: Yeah, I think as of right now, man, I think people are going to have their preferences. I think a lot of people rather prefer virtual, it's more convenient for other individuals, which is cool with us, right? I mean, from the comfort of our home, absolutely, right? And then I definitely. For sure, you're gonna have those other individuals like, nah, we don't want no virtual. We want you here on the stage. We need to feel your presence. We need to feel your energy. And so in regards to the speaking game and how's it evolving, I think there'll be a well balance of virtual and also in-person engagements because people, people need that. You know what I'm saying? Some people need you to be able to reach their corporation right now. They may not be able to pay for your flight and your hotel and things of that nature, but they may want you to come and speak immediately quick as possible and no better way to do it than Zoom, right? So, right. Must AI come up with some hologram type of? Ju-
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's coming, I'm sure. <laughs> in addition to your work as a speaker, as a coach, are there specific projects, initiatives, causes that you're really passionate about right now that you're involved in that you could share?
1: Yeah, man. So there's one particular um, organization in uh, Ghana that I'm working with, um, feeding children. It's a blessing. I love that. And then of course we're focusing on creating a facility for homeless individuals and drug rehabs for recovering drug addicts to be able to get reacclimated with society and get their degrees, get some different types of credentials, get them jobs, help teach them entrepreneurship. And so that's where we're at right now in regards to different organizations, of course, my church and things of that stuff. But other than that, yeah, that's, that's where we are right now.
0: If you were to put it into one sentence, now, this is an interesting thing because you actually get to share empowerment, share motivation. That's what your whole world revolves around. So I'm very curious, as someone who does that, what is your mantra? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Man. Woo! Oh, man. Yeah, here it is. Don't live just to exist, but live to be remembered.
0: Mm, love that.
1: Yeah.
0: Love that. That's amazing. As we kind of start to wind down a little bit here throughout your personal journey were there specific books resources speakers that really motivated you and really guided you in your own personal growth
1: absolutely dr miles monroe one of the books that he has is the purpose of power and vision phenomenal book for leaders Definitely, I would say Dr. Eric Thomas, obviously, uh, for sure. Inky Johnson, Dr. King, a lot of these amazing individuals have definitely changed changed my life. Uh, and other resources, investing in Dr. Ar- Dr. Eric Thomas's you know, speaking program and uh, learning from other great speaking mentors as well, such as A. Josh Ship, like a lot of amazing individuals that right? really has blessed my life, and I'm thankful for mentorship. I'm thankful for having the humility, despite the things that I do know, to humble myself and learn from somebody that's at a higher level than me and just take that information and go out here and go execute.
0: Amazing. Let me ask for people that are interested in possibly becoming a speaker themselves, what type of guidance, what type of mentorship do you offer people and how do people find you?
1: Oh, man. So you can go on Instagram and follow me at Will is Blessed. If you're looking to be able to you know, take your speaking career from don't know where to start, you're starting or you want to scale, um, definitely just send us a DM on Instagram. We have um, our seven figure speaker bundle. Um, it's a phenomenal tool. It's a, a great tool. I to asked myself when I created the bundle, I said, well, what did you not have when you first started? I said, well, I didn't know who to reach out to. And then the second problem I came into is like, well, I know who to reach now. I know now that I know who to reach out to. I don't know what to say, (laughs) right? (laughs) When I do know what to say, now I'm getting on the call. Now, how do I walk through that process of Mm closing, right? And so this amazing digital product just walks you through the whole process. It has email templates, sales scripts has video module that you can watch and definitely give you more insight on the thing that you can be doing to elevate your speaking business and take it to a whole other level. Yeah.
0: Amazing. And for everyone that's listening, of course, all of Will's links will be in the podcast description. So make sure you guys go there to check out everything that Will is doing. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. I know I've learned so much and I am so appreciative of the work that you do in helping to empower people everywhere that you speak. It is a gift. And as we said before, it's also a responsibility and it's one that you've absolutely taken to the next level. Thank you so much for being on the show today, man. This has been fantastic. Appreciate you, brother, man. Hey, everyone, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Make sure you click that subscribe button so you never miss any of the incredible guests that we have coming up in 2024. Stay driven, everyone, and until next time.